0: Thank you, guys. Real quick, a couple announcements that you didn't see. One is uh, next weekend, the 11th, November 11th and 12th, we do this fall training conference up in Pennsylvania near Philadelphia with some other RUF groups. So it's like Lehigh... Delaware, Delaware State, Millersville, University of Maryland. And this is like an intense 24-hour, like, learn how to study the Bible. Learn how to lead a Bible study. Um, There's a huge Bible survey class. Literally, you will go through the entire Bible in about eight hours. And so, uh, this is a great place to learn and grow and get discipled. Now, the thing about it is... You gotta wear a red. No, you don't. Um, You you have to sign up by I think Monday morning because they house us different people up there in that church. Like literally, house two or three people, and they feed you breakfast. And so um, you sign up online. I'll I'll put that link on the Facebook group. Uh, Is there any other quick announcements? Yes, open mic night is next Wednesday. So next Wednesday we're gonna have a shortened like Ruf this thing. And then it's seven, around 7.30, 7. It's just going to be like, like hot chocolate and cookies and people singing or reading poetry. Chris has got a list. If you if you would like to uh, sing or do something up here, uh, please talk to Chris. He's making the list. So so there's a I posted the uh, there's like a Google Doc. I posted on Facebook. You can sign up early that way. There's also a list back there if you want to sign up early right now. If you don't have Facebook or like something like that, just talk to me I'll put you on the early list. Quiet. Or you can just sign up when you get there and you might not be guaranteed to spot them. Thank you. Okay, so this semester we've been going through conversations with Jesus. Thinking about um, the Gospel, thinking about the main questions of life, the big questions. Tonight it's going to be a little bit different because in lieu of the big election coming up, I thought, you know, we need to talk about... This issue of uh, politics, uh, you know, (laughs) the way I looked at it was, let's not ignore the elephant or the donkey in the room. Uh, Okay, da-da-da. And so, uh, yeah. So we're going to think about... Now, if you came here tonight thinking I'm going to tell you who to vote for, that's not what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to look at this more in terms of uh, what does God have to say about uh, politics? What does God have to say about the civil government? And so we're going to mainly look at Romans chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, look at Romans 13, and we're going to look at uh, verses one to seven. Um, and so I might jump around as well a little bit, but um, I'm excited about this, and at the same time, um, you know, this is this is in some ways a forgotten thing in a lot of the church. We we don't um, think a lot about. How how are Christians to live in the world of government and politics and policy and what does that look like and what should we do and how are we uh, how are we to reflect God's glory in all spheres of life and you know what we believe you know what we just celebrated the other week the Reformation it was you know Martin Luther basically set the church free to go into all areas of life and he said basically. The understanding in the Bible is that all of life, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a a politician, is all to be lived for the glory of God. So if you're an engineer uh, or if you're a musician, that is not like a second tier job, that there's no what they call like sacred secular split. I don't know if you've ever heard that idea. But there's some, some areas of the church where they say, well, man, if you're a missionary or if you go to Africa and you're, you're a minister or you do full-time Christian ministry, you're kind of on a higher plane. But then the rest of these people down here that are working and everything, they're they're just you know doing their thing. But, but the real hierarchy are the people in the church. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that we're to glorify God in every area of life, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so to some extent, this issue of... Uh, Christians and in, in politics and thinking about uh, political things in, in a lot of ways is something uh, that I would encourage you to think about to pray about and maybe you should go into that in the future um, because we need Christians we need salt and light out there um, and so with that said let me uh, read uh, Romans 13 1 to 7 so hear God's word tonight And you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Excuse me. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, Attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed. To them taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honored is owed. Let me just pray real quick. Lord, thank you for this night and uh, being able to worship you. Eat some uh, Chick-fil-A together and fellowship. Take a little bit of a break. I pray you would bless our time even as we think about... Um, your call uh, on us in terms of the political realm and how we are to conduct ourselves. And uh, we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to kind of break this down um, and try to answer some questions as I go. Um, But one of the things that, as I've kind of been reading this passage and reading... um, a very good summary of biblical doctrine called the Westminster Confession of Faith. There's a chapter in there which deals with this idea of Christians and civil government. And I kind of took some ideas of that and kind of framed them into this. So this is more of a topical uh, message today. It's not so much like, hey, we're just going to go through a passage and pull out the points. So it's a little bit more of a topical. But the one thing I want to say um, is that, the first thing is, don't fear government, don't fear man or evil rulers. Okay, uh, why? Because God is King and He is on His throne. And if you look through the Scriptures, especially the Psalms, you will have you will have passages like Psalm two, where it talks about um, God laughing at the kings of the earth. Who are trying to rule. And he is on his throne. And he is in fine shape up there. And he is laughing at the kingdoms of man. Okay? And so, uh, he says this. You shall break them, the nations, with a rod of iron. And dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's what he says to his son. In Daniel 2.21, there's a really crucial... uh, Verse that says that God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God is on His throne ruling and He is sovereign. He is actually the one that this chapter 13 says actually puts rulers in place. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Verse 1. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exists have been instituted by God. So, in every sense, we always have to come back to the fact that whoever gets elected next week, God is still reigning. God is on His throne. In Psalm 75, it says this, 6 and 7, "...for it is not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness, comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another." So this is it, that God is the one who's ultimately in control of this entire earth, this world. And he is raising up and he is, is bringing down. Um, but the, point, the important thing to remember with this is you have, to, you have to, by faith, come back to this and say, you know what, whoever gets elected, I might disagree with them. I might be on the total other side of the tracks from them. But I have to acknowledge that, no, God is in control and i have to trust god that he is sovereign that he is reigning that he is just fine on his throne in heaven and he is ruling all things together for his good uh, now this is in, important to note because paul is this is a book to the letter to the romans okay and there was a guy by the name of caesar nero okay and i don't know if you've studied history but nero was not a not a pleasant guy he had his mother murdered Um, He was known to dip Christians in oil, put them on pikes, light them on fire, and they would light up his garden parties um, at night in Rome. This is Nero he's talking about. So as you think about this passage, he reigned from like 54 to 68 AD, right when Paul was doing all of his missionary journeys. Okay, And so Paul is writing this. He's saying, here's an evil, a very evil... Caesar okay Augustus or not Augustus but Nero who is doing awful things to the church and Christians and he's still saying that that person is put there by God as an authority um, and therefore we should submit we should pay taxes we should honor uh, the king so this is crazy how do you believe this you can't believe this in your own strength you have to say you have to come back to this fact and say that you know what God is on His throne and He's calling me to do this. It doesn't seem like I should do this, but this is what He's calling me to do. Um, so God has gi- given us government and instituted it um, for His common grace, for safety, for security uh, in society and in culture. And so um, uh, so what's this mean? Um, again, whoever wins the election... Uh, One thing is certain: Jesus is sovereignly reigning, controlling the earth, just like He says, "You know, not a hair will fall from your head without the Father knowing it. Um, He cares for you." Uh, So, by faith, continue to remember, as you, you know, (laughs) again, whatever side you're on, that uh, that God is at work, um, that He is reigning, He's building His kingdom, even when it might seem to you that, like, how can He ever possibly? Be reigning when something like that happens. Um, we always have to remember that we have dual citizenship as Christians. That we are in the kingdom of God. If you if you know Jesus, if you've come to believe in Him, repented, you've trusted Christ, you have re, you have become then in God's kingdom. Okay, and so at the same time we are on earth and we are in His kingdom. We are in the kingdom of man, so to speak. So we have this dual citizenship, but we always look to King Jesus as our ultimate king and guide. And we always remember that uh, no matter what, no matter if a tyrant comes in or a dictator or whoever it is, okay, that Jesus is on his throne and he is reigning uh, by faith. Uh, Second thing is this, be a part of it. Be a part of government. Be a part of the political process. Don't separate yourself out. Um, again, Jesus continually calls us to be salt and light in the world. Uh, he doesn't call us to, to kind of be in our holy huddle and just kind of be, you know, um, enveloped. If you want to see what that looks like, just go to Lancaster County. And there's the Amish people up there. Whenever I go and visit my parents, I see buggies, I have to dodge around them and everything. And, you know, that's a good example of... A group of people that have decided we are going to separate ourselves. We are not going to like vote. We're not going to be in the army. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to be in our own uh, enclave, so to speak. But as we look at Scripture, we have you know, um, Jesus ministering to Pharisees, the Herodians. In fact, in one of the passages in Matthew 22 and in Mark 12, they try to test him and they try to trick him, remember? And they said, you know, they bring a coin to him or, you know, they said, are you going to pay the tax? And Jesus says, well, bring me a coin. And, you know, he says, well, whose image is on that? Well, that's Caesar. And he says, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And so there you have that two things that like Jesus is saying, hey, you got to pay your taxes. Uh, Jesus is saying you have to engage. You are a king, in, in the kingdom of this world. And these leaders are put there by God. Even if they're corrupt and evil, you have to pay your taxes. You have to obey them. You have to honor them. You have to pray for them. And at the same time, render unto God what is God's. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that idea of like when they conflict, what happens. But the first thing is, you, don't separate yourself. Don't run into that um, separation of church and state, thinking that oh. Um, this this realm is totally outside of government no God is calling us he whenever you know you guys probably know this from history this the separation of church and state idea was always so that the the government wouldn't influence the church and come in and take over okay it was never like it was always meant for Christians and th- to be involved in government and to be part of that system okay it was always, you know, that's why the pilgrims and everything came over here because the basically the government was getting involved in the church and they were like trying to get out and not be under that. And so um, this idea of separation of church and state, that's, that's kind of another big category, but um, we're called to participate in it, to honor, to pay taxes. Uh, we live as citizens of the two kingdoms. And so it's a false dichotomy to think, that, uh, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be involved in these in in the, the secular world or the governmental world. Uh, that is really not a good way of thinking about how we are to live in this world. We're always to think of ourselves as reflecting God's character as His redemptive agents. Okay? We're always to think that when... Even back in Genesis, when God said uh, to Adam and Eve, like you know, He said, "Be fruitful, multiply, go into all the earth." He said, "Subdue the earth." He he was basically saying, "I want you to have dominion over all the earth," and that was kind of a governmental thing. Have you ever heard of this? There's three institutions that God has given us: the church, the family, and the government, and they're all back in Genesis before the fall into sin there's the, there's the creation of adam and eve the family unit right there's the call for the worship of god and there's also this idea of i want you to be have dominion over the earth which is kind of that governmental so these three institutions are all through now what happens after sin after sin they're all broken and corrupted right there's the family the relationships are messed up spiritually we're broken right and governmentally we're broken we don't reign. We don't. We don't uh, do it with justice and mercy, okay? And so, reversing the curse means, as Christians, we're called to be salt and light, and go back in to those places and rule and reign for the glory of God, uh, and to bring about His righteousness and reflect His righteousness. Um, obviously, what you can see in our culture is a lot of government is corrupt. Okay, And not just in America, but man, uh, in every part of the world. But why? Because whenever you get a bunch of people together, you get corruption. <laughs> because we're sinners, right? My friend, uh, Mark Berry, he's a missionary in Peru. And he basically, he he was down there and he was trying to get his driver's license. And they basically have a culture of bribery. And every time he would go to get his driver's license, they would kind of like want money... And he would never give it to them, and he, they would fail him. And I think it happened three times. And he said, like in one of his prayer letters, just please stop and pray for me right now, because I'm not going to give in to this to the corruption of this bribery. And finally, he was able to get his license without giving them money. But that is how the world, that is how, like, most of the world operates. Um. And so what, is it, what does it look like to change that? It means like Christians need to be in government circles. They need to be in the police force. They need to be, you know, uh, in, down at Annapolis. They need to, you know, be interns in D.C. They need to think about how can you be salt and light? How can you not separate yourself? But how can you say, hey, we need to have policies that reflect the glory of God? In the cities, in education, in all these places, um, the Lord's prayer says, um, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as it is in heaven, so on earth." Jesus is saying that that we should be praying for God, you know, the, the goodness of heaven, all of His glory to be here on earth. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom comes as believers take the gospel. And as they do justice and mercy in the earth, uh, in the name of Christ. The Old Testament prophets can help us, okay? Um, Because they ultimately were always calling Israel to justice and mercy all through. They were always talking to the kings who were corrupt. I mean, if you just look at the prophets, they were basically saying, you guys aren't helping the poor. You guys are like corrupt. You guys are worshiping idols. And they kept calling them out again and again and again. And um, in Micah 6.8, there's an important verse because Israel and Judah had been cor- been corrupt. They were forgetting the poor. They were in idolatry. And Micah 6.8 says this, But He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So part of what it means to not separate ourselves is to... Display and go into these areas with God's justice, with God's mercy, and with the faith uh, of the Lord. Um, you know, and you and you just look at Jesus. Jesus was always looking at the whole person. Okay, when Jesus came on the scene, he was not just saying, "I'm just concerned about your soul. I just want you to believe." He was doing that. That was the word ministry, the truth. But he was also saying, I'm healing you too. He was saying that when my kingdom comes, you're going to believe, but also you're going to be healed from all the effects of the fall. And he was displaying his glory. But he was always working in word and deed ministry. And he says, even his first sermon was like, I've come to set, you know, set the... Uh, uh, the captives free. I've come to release prisoners. I've come to give light, you know, give sight to the blind. And he was saying that spiritually, yes, but also, what did you see him do? Physically, he was doing those things. And so we can't have a false dichotomy to say that we're only supposed to be involved with spiritual things, we're also to be involved in justice and mercy. And to, and to help the poor and to do those things. The church is always supposed to be, and Christians in government, need to be seeking that as well. Being salt and light. Um, so don't shrink back, don't back down like Tom Petty says. Okay? You guys don't even get that. Uh, <laughs> he, he calls us in the world, but not of it. He calls us to be in the world. We're the dual citizens of the kingdom of God, but we're not... So in the world that we're just enveloped and we can't see what is right. We're called to be dual citizens in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of man. And we're called to be uh, Christians there. So we, we need Christians in government. This is the whole reason why my brother, Chuck, who he was a pastor for like 25 years. And in 19, in 2003, he left the ministry in Oklahoma and came to D.C., to start ministry to state. Some of you guys have been with me to his house in the summers. He does a big thing with interns that come there. But he's trying to develop. He's trying to help the church think about how can we be Christians and minister to people in government across the aisle, bipartisan, not one way or another. But try to get people the gospel so their hearts can be changed, so they they then can reflect policy that is glorifying to God. He read this book by Paul Johnson like it was a huge history of the world and it changed his life he, basically what he saw in that book was the church was not involved in the destruction of the world during the, like the early 20th century like Christians were really not there to be critiquing a Hitler there, there were some but the question is uh, are Christians going to be salt and light are we going to be in there are we going to engage are we going to think about that God's calling us to be in every, every little area, every nook and cranny of life and culture to be influences of salt and light. Um, so don't be afraid. Don't back down. Um, don't be afraid when you pull the lever on Tuesday. Or maybe you already did. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, hold on a second. Okay, here, here's a couple of questions I had as I was thinking about it. What happens when the government, the king, the president, civil authorities overstep their bounds? Okay, so in Acts chapter 4 and 5, there's an interesting story because that's what was going on. Peter and Paul, they were preaching the gospel and they basically caused a riot in the city. And they, And the government officials came and said, you can't do that anymore. And here's what they said. Uh, Whether it is right in the sight of God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then in Acts 5.29, they say, we must obey God rather than man. Uh, So there are times, okay, when as Christians, uh, the government may forbid things which we cannot agree to. And this is where kind of civil disobedience comes about or they may uh they may call us to do things which are forbidden in scripture there's kind of those two ideas and so this is where as christians we have we're dual citizens right but we have a higher king that we answer to and so as you think about culture and as you think about like policies and different things this is why like christians need to stand up we can't just like lay down and not do anything when we see evil or when we see policies that are um, you know doing things against the most vulnerable um that we have to stand and we have to say no this this is not this is not right uh we have to put our foot down and we have to be willing to say my head is on the chopping block but i cannot do that i mean that is that's what that's what it came down to i mean with like nero and Killing the Christians, I mean, you you think that's weird, but we don't know how long it's going to be. Like, I always fear that even, even University of Maryland, like, how long are they going to allow Christian groups to, like, do what we're doing right here? I, I, I think, I mean, this is, I mean, I pray that it's going to be a long, long time, but in, and sometimes I think about it, I think, man, in 10 years, I don't know. They might, it might be the type of thing where unless you, they might say, you have to adopt, policies which we would disagree with biblically um, or you can't meet here and we would have to say we cannot we cannot teach that here because we have a higher authority the lord jesus on the throne and if that's the case that's okay god's going to still be reigning, and he's going to do we'll have to figure out a different way to meet maybe it's going to you know we'll meet off campus or meet down at the landmark or meet in the bagel place i don't know but we'll have to figure out some other place But that could happen. It very well could happen. But we we have a higher King, higher than the president, higher than the USA culture. Okay, and we always have to like say whenever there's a conflict, we have to look to King Jesus first as our ultimate Lord. Okay. Um, Let me see. the last thing is this. Pray for it. Pray for it. First uh, Timothy 2, 1-3. Paul says this. First of all, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come... To knowledge of the truth. So again, he's saying, "I want you to pray for Caesar, this guy who's killing Christians. Pray for your enemies." Okay. Uh, I mean, it makes it makes this stuff we're seeing in our in our political thing like not so bad, even even though it's horrible stuff that's going on, right? Not like like I've never seen in my years. Okay, but. Paul and Paul is saying to Timothy pray for these people I mean he's saying supplications, prayers, intercessions, Thanksgiving for them because there's always common grace and that's the idea that like you know what however bad it is God stills like you know we're protected we're, we have security we have you know police for you know there's different things that we can still say you know thank you God you, you you've re- risen these leaders up. Even though they might be very imperfect, but they still are are giving us certain rights that we need. And that's God's common grace. So, there should be a focus on prayer. Uh, we should be thankful for them. And Jesus calls us to pray for your enemies. So, as I read that, I was like, I'm very convicted because I spend very little time praying for our current president or future presidents or... Or, you know, our senator, Steny Hoyer's the senator. Um, I don't even know who my congressman is. I mean, I feel like I am totally, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of convicted of my lack of knowledge. I'm not sure who my delegate is in, in Annapolis, et cetera. But, like, God is calling us to, to intercede, to pray for these people, to be about the process, to not separate, not ignore it, and uh, to be engaged in it. And so... You know, historically, let me give you an illustration. Historically, the black church has been very engaged in politics. Now, you might have, I don't know what your history lessons have been, but here's, you know, as you think about, you know, Civil War, slavery, Reconstruction, which lasted like basically 10 years, and then Jim Crow and all the different, you know, things in our country. um, You know, the black church really was the ones who, uh fought for justice and mercy in the civil government. A lot of the white church was like, hey, I don't know if we should get involved with that. And they they separated themselves. I think that was a sin. I think that was wrong. Because the because the thing even if you disagree maybe with MLK and all of his like theology, in general though, he was like saying, "Hey, there's justice and mercy that needs to be done." People uh you know, the, the Jim Crow laws are wrong. Segregation is law, wrong. These things are awful. Uh, and then even going back further, we had Presbyterian ministers who owned slaves and sold slaves. Okay, I'm going back into the, in the 19th century. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the theological heroes in the Presbyterian church history were slave owners. They had blind spots. But it was part of this sacred-secular split. They couldn't understand how their Christian life and their spiritual life also connected with the fact that they were buying and selling slaves. That You talk about a blind spot. We all have blind spots now. often wonder, what are our blind spots? But the point is, is that we, we always have to come back to the Word. We have to come back to the Scripture. And the prophets can help us. They were always calling for justice and mercy in the world. They were always saying, this issue is wrong. And you need to speak about it. You need to do. You need to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And so, I am um, going to close it there. I don't know if you have any. Any. I I'd kind of like to do a Q and A, but um, uh, it's seven twenty-three, and so uh, I am just going to close this in prayer. I am going to pray for next week, but I would encourage you to pray. I'd encourage you to vote, not to be afraid. God is on His throne. And uh, you know whatever happens, the Lord Lord's in control. And so don't be, you know, uh, whoever whatever side you're on or whatever. Remember that God is bigger. than next Tuesday, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, your love and your grace. Thank you that you um, you bring you set up rulers and you bring down rulers. We pray for. Uh, rulers that reflect your glory and who you are and your truth and your justice and your mercy, that they would be people that would look to you no matter what maybe they've done in the past or whatever's going on now. Lord, we pray for it, that if, if it's Hillary, if it's Donald Trump, that they would truly know you or come to know you, uh, that they would truly do justly justice and mercy in, in the world. And um, Father, that you would uh, give them wisdom. And give them your wisdom. We pray for all our leaders, Lord. We pray for our country as it is very, very divided. Uh, Lord, that you would use this as an opportunity uh, that people would see, you know what, this world is broken. I need (laughs) this other kingdom. I need to be in the kingdom of light and of love and of mercy. That maybe even the political angst that we feel would be an opportunity to say, hey, there's a better kingdom, uh, a better kingdom there. And so uh, that we would not trust in princes, in the son of man, where their breath is gone, but we would trust in you, and we lift it up in Jesus' name. Amen. One to close. I'm going to stand, sing one more song. This one is an old hymn. It's called "All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name." So I'll give you I'll give you a bit to like look that up. We still don't. No, i don't on yeah. that projector, so I'll give you a sec to lift up the words. From-